Lord, I pray that you will be in my words and in our hearts and minds this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I wonder how many of you like a really good puzzle, something to exercise the grey matter, even uh, relatively early on a relaxed Sunday morning. Not as early as the nine o'clockers, but it's relatively early on a Sunday anyway, isn't it? Well, I've let all of the youth, and perhaps especially Andy, as West Bridgeford's number one fan of and expert on Harry Potter, head out before asking all of you a riddle from the fourth book of that series, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. There are some youngsters over there who are thinking, yes, we're in here. Um, Maybe that way, quiet you lot, um, one of the older ones uh, in the middle may stand a chance of getting this riddle uh, before you will. In the Triwizard Tournament, which is the climax of the Goblet of Fire, As part of a series of tests, uh, Harry is posed a riddle by a sphinx. And this riddle goes as follows. First, think of the person who lives in disguise, who deals in secrets and tells naught but lies. Next, tell me what's always the last thing to mend, the middle of middle and end of the end. And finally, give me the sound often heard during the search for a hard-to-find word. Now string them together and answer me this. Which creature would you be unwilling to kiss? Any, anyone getting there? I do, yes, you know. Anyone got this? Shall I, do it, shall I ask you again? Or it, Hazel, Hazel, Hazel's... <laughs> Anyone, anyone, any ideas? I should have put it on the screen because I think it's easier to visualize. Let's try again, shall we? First, think of the person who lives in disguise, who deals in secrets and tells naught but lies. Next, tell me what's always the last thing to mend, the middle of middle and end of the end. And finally, give me the sound often heard during the search for a hard-to-find word. Now string them together and answer me this. Which creature would you be unwilling to kiss? And you have to think phonetically. Anyone? It's a spider. Yay! Big hand. So a person who lives in disguise is a spy. And then there were lots of Ds in the middle and Ds at the end. Did you? You knew it, girls, did you? Yeah, of course you did, didn't you? Um, and then it's an er at the end, so you get a spider. You're good at these riddles, even on a Sunday morning. Maybe the coffee worked, I don't know. Um, but I don't know about you, but I have to say that the start of our gospel this morning has always seemed to me to be a bit of a riddle. It seems to have this sort of enigmatic wordplay going on in it as well, rather like um, Harry's riddle from the Sphinx. Let's look at it again. When he was gone, Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify Himself, the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. It all seems to be pretty enigmatic, doesn't it? Really rather tricky to grasp. 
There's an awful lot of glorification going on, frankly, uh, which needs a good deal of unpicking if we're to understand what it is Jesus is saying here to his disciples gathered together for the Last Supper, and of course he's also saying to us. Let's start with the very first phrase. In all honesty, sometimes the way in which the Church of England's lectionary divides up the flow of Scripture, um, the set readings for particular days, um, isn't always the most helpful. And actually, for those of you who are looking in the Church Bibles as well, the pagination didn't work terribly well either because that was right at the start of a left-hand page. When he was gone. When was who gone? Well, we start our brief gospel reading today at the exact moment that Judas has just left the room. He's finally succumbed to the temptings of the devil and he's on his way to betray Jesus to the religious authorities. Judas is the he. This is the moment at which, as St. Thomas Aquinas wrote, Christ's passion Um, Passion being an expression derived from the Latin word meaning enduring and suffering. Christ's passion can be seen to have begun. So Judas has gone and we read on. Now the Son of Man is glorified and God is glorified in him. We know that now comes the crucifixion. We're not yet at the joy and the triumph of Jesus' Easter resurrection, but rather we find ourselves at the foot of the cross in the darkness of Good Friday. How in all the violence and humiliation, in the pain and the apparent despair of the crucifixion, can it seem that now the Son of Man is glorified and God is glorified in him? The final part of our reading, I think, gives us the key to unlocking this apparent riddle. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. How has Jesus loved his disciples? How does Jesus love his disciples at this moment? How will He love his disciples going forward. The greatest expression of his love for them and for each one of us is Christ's willingness to go to die the most squalid, the most agonizing death that anyone at this period of history could have undergone. That death on the cross in order that he can stand in our place before God to answer for all of the wrongs that we have committed in order that we might have eternal life. This death for each one of us is the act that brings extraordinary glory to God through which both the Father and the Son are glorified. Through the self-giving love that is at the heart of the Trinity between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Through this self-giving love, God the Father is glorified as his only Son goes to his death in fulfillment of the Father's plan for his triumph over death and sin. 
and God the Son too is glorified as he reluctantly at times, as we see in his pleading words to his father in Gethsemane. As he, Jesus, ultimately accepts the will of his father and fulfills his role in the salvation of the universe by dying on that passion-tide cross. It is this self-giving love of Jesus, triumphing over all that is evil in the world, that is glorious. And therefore the cross on which this love plays out its ultimate expression brings ultimate glory to God. Up to this point, Jesus' teaching to his disciples on this area had largely followed the beliefs and practices of the Jewish people as uh, had been established by uh, the Mosaic law, the the law given uh, to Moses and uh, the people of Israel way back in the time of the Exodus. That they were to love others around them in the way that they loved themselves. But now, as Jesus tells them in verse 34, they are to love one another not simply to that extent, but as Christ himself has loved them. The same Christ who, as Jesus will go on to tell the disciples a couple of chapters later, demonstrates his absolute love for his friends by laying down his life for them. This, John 15, verse 13, is the most extraordinarily challenging verse for each one of us as followers of Jesus. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. But this is the absolute implication of Jesus' words in our reading this morning. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. This won't, of course, for the majority of Christians in the world today, at least in our relatively stable part of the globe, although it is very different in many other places, this won't mean a literal interpretation of Jesus' words, that we will lose our lives in the service of another. But it does mean that we will be prepared to show our love for our brothers and our sisters by living our lives sacrificially for their benefit. What, I wonder, might this look like for you and for me here in West Bridgeford in May 2019? Is it giving up some of our precious time? We all are so short of time, it seems. So is it giving up some of that to help a friend or a neighbor or a colleague who is struggling right now? Is it maybe looking at our personal financial position and committing right at the start of our budgeting to give a certain amount of our income to the church or to other deserving causes rather than seeing what's left at the end of the month after all of our personal expenses have gone through? Is it volunteering maybe with an organization that serves others in the community in whatever capacity that may be? Is it going out of our way to befriend that vulnerable man or woman whom we pass every day and who appears to have few, if any, friends in the world? 
whichever of these it may be, or many other ways of self-sacrifice. This sort of loving self-sacrifice is what Jesus calls us to. And hugely importantly, Jesus calls us not only to this, but also makes clear to his disciples and to us as well that by showing exactly this sort of love to one another, both to those within the church family and to those who would not describe themselves as Christian, we demonstrate to the world what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Actions are never everything. Without the spoken and the written proclamation of the gospel, um, we're little more than social workers, hugely important as they are within our society. However, the most immediate and most obvious impact that we can have on the perceptions of others towards the Christian faith and on their openness as well to receiving the good news of Jesus Christ is through our Christ-like actions. Love one another as I have loved you. As Nicky Gumbel of Holy Trinity Brompton, the founder of the Alpha Course, says, love is the most effective form of evangelism. When people see real love, they see God. The best way to start to tell people about Jesus, note that it's start to tell people about Jesus, is to love them and to love other followers of Jesus as well. It's through this self-sacrificial love that just as Jesus and his heavenly Father glorified each other through the cross, we too bring glory to God and, we pray, bring others to know his infinite love for them too. We're going to move now into a time of response in the form of sung worship. So would Will and the band like to come to the front? We're going to praise our Heavenly Father um, for his infinite love and to seek to bring glory to him in our praise. And then afterwards, I'm going to lead us in a time of uh, more reflective prayer, focused especially on the Thy Kingdom Come prayer movement that I mentioned at the start of the service. But let's all stand now to join together in worship. <laughs>